ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Hello. How is everybody? <laughs> Welcome to What the Ale. I'm Alana Ray. And I'm Mama J. Um, and we are hitting you fast with one of our regularly scheduled Wednesday episodes. Woo woo. Woo woo. Uh, what are you drinking, Mama? Um, I am having a Kieran Ichiban. <laughs> Ooh, nice. I like this. What beers. about you? I am having a black lager called Death and Taxes. <laughs> oh, that sounds interesting. And I really like it because I feel like sometimes stouts are a little heavy and porters are a little heavy and this is a lager. So it's like light to drink, but it's dark in color and it has that like nice dark flavor to it. Um, so it's quite yummy. Well, and you know, there's nothing certain but death and taxes. So <laughs> exactly. And I think it's a fun name. I don't remember the brewery, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool place. So um, yeah. Any what the ale moments this week, mama? Um, no, I think mine is good this week. I have a family member, um, who's graduating high school tomorrow and he's somebody who, um, had some struggles in his childhood and early adulthood. And, um, he's 29 years old and he decided to go back and get his high school diploma. Um, and I'm so proud of him and the role modeling he's doing for his kids because y'all, it is never too late to go back and accomplish a goal that will help lead you to your new goals. Um, so yeah, I'm super proud of him and I can't wait to watch him walk tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> that's so exciting. And like, yeah. that you get to go to the little ceremony and like do the yeah. thing. And then he's so cute, you know, cause, uh, he made it clear that he wants to get there early because he wants me and his wife and his kids to have front row seats. So he's like, we got to get there early so you can be first in line. Okay. And I think that's very sweet that he wants to make sure we're front row so his kids can see him walk. That's really wonderful. I'm like, I'm very, very happy for him and happy for just, yeah. Like, I, I feel like this year, like a lot of people in my life are like really just like going for their goals and like I'm really just yeah. and especially especially our little family member who's doing amazing things <laughs> yeah and it is never too late it's always a good reminder that you know it doesn't matter if life's uh, been tough or held you back or kicked you down or whatever you can pick yourself up and when you're ready you can go back and do all the things and um yeah I'm just so proud that he's been able to do this so can't wait to see him walk tomorrow so it's definitely a good thing but yeah, my what the L is, holy cow, like, he's graduating. It's really exciting. That is really exciting. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy for them. And um, yeah, very cool. I mean, also our great grandmother, didn't she finish high school? Like, yeah, my, my grandma um, eloped with my grandpa when she was 16. And so did not finish high school. And then when I was um, going to college is when she decided to go back and get her high school diploma. So it's not. So, yeah. So I think seeing me and my sister graduate high school made her want to go back and finish it. So um, yeah, and she, I mean, we were adults by then and she was my grandmother. So she was even older than 
my other family member, but yeah, it's never too late to go back and get those goals. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Good for Yeah. So what about you? Any what the ale? Um, let me think. Any what the ales? Um, well, I have a small, it's a small one, but it's a good one. I, um, my lovely co-host here is having a special day in a few weeks. So I've been, <laughs> um, planning a murder mystery birthday party for, and I am so excited. And so I've been doing a lot of, I think I got most of it like set up so where I could just like show up and be like, we're having a good time. (laughs) Definitely like making sure I tell everyone their rules and like answer any questions and also being like, oh, because it's like set New Orleans. So I have to like get hurricane glasses and I have to like do these random things where I'm like, just like little popcorns just going off in my head. So it's been a little busy with that, but I'm very excited about the party. I'm so excited too. And yeah, when you sent out the roles, child, I did not realize that my role was going to be like reading a book. <laughs> like that was a lot of information I have to know about myself. <laughs> it's like two page, three pages. It's not bad. It's not bad. I know but it's two or three pages that are very detailed. All these things I have to know about my life goals and who I need to connect with and like you know, what my ambitions are and what my manipulations are. <laughs> like, I was like, dang, that's a lot of information. I will say what I've, I've used this company for murder mystery kits before. And I, what we just told everybody was have a conversation with every single person in the room and you could have your yeah. team. Like, okay. Because <laughs> you get like 45 minutes of mingling before the body is found. So to me, okay. I'm, you have time to talk to everybody and like get a feel for the vibes. Mm-hmm. Well, and we are going to make hurricanes and then I'll do a blackberry lemonade for anybody that does not want to drink and then um, have some gumbo and some jambalaya and some beignets for dessert. So it is going to be a feast while we're, um, you know, mingling about with our <laughs> other characters. Oh, yeah. I'm so, 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 so excited. Um, and we're going to be dressed to impress. We are. It is 20s Mardi Gras attire. So I'm quite excited about that. <laughs> yeah. And I appreciate you throwing me a party. Nobody's ever thrown me a party before. I'm very excited. This is a, how? How has no one thrown you such a fabulous human a party before? Trash. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do tend to plan my, plan my own things because, girl, you know, I like to plan my birthday stuff. I know. I know. I know. I know. This is letting me great. Great. I'm so excited for it. <laughs> well. Um, not to like bring the mood down, but I have a good old murder for folks this week. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I've been wanting to do this case for a while because, uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, I spent like a solid month of my last like year in 2023 in Finland. Um, and a lovely country, lots of lovely people, um, lots of really just wild, not wild, I shouldn't say wild, but just like very interesting differences between here and the States. And um, I really loved my time there. So I wanted to like do a little homage to Finland since we have a couple listeners there as well. Um, Okay. So I decided to cover a case that is turning 60 years old this year and is still unsolved. Okay. 
Um, have you ever heard of the Lake Bodum murders? I don't think so. All righty. So, um, like I said, this is a 60 year old case, uh, and it is, I believe Finland's oldest cold case. So, oh, wow. It's, it's very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. Um, it took place near Espo, which is like, a. It's part of metropolitan like Helsinki area, but it's not like in Helsinki. It's like a little suburb type area. Um, mm-hmm. But in 1960, four teens set out for a sweetheart retreat at Lake Bottom, which is a good like well-known campsite there. Okay. Um. So the party consisted of 15-year-old Myla Ermeli, Berklund, and Anya Tu. Tuliki. Um, and they brought their boyfriends, Seppo Antero Boisman and Niels Wilhelm Gustafsson, um, which are lots and lots of complicated names. So we're just going to go first names on this one. <laughs> I was going to say, those are some tough names. Oh my gosh. I had to listen to like a recording several times and I'm sure I got it wrong anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like I said, they decided to do a little couples retreat and go camping near Lake Bodum. Um, and everything went smoothly when they arrived at the site. They set up their camp. They made food. They went swimming in the lake. They seemed to have a really good time. But the next morning, disaster struck. So between 4 and 6 a.m., um, three of the teens were bludgeoned and stabbed to death through the tent oh my gosh and the sole survivor was Niels Gustafsson um but he was left with a fractured jaw a concussion and other broken facial bones he also had cuts and stab wounds but nothing fatal he ended up surviving okay Um, and so around like throughout the day like people because this is a campsite there's like hiking trails and stuff so people were like walking past the site a lot of people said they thought that it was just a like people abandoned the tent after not being able to break it down like they didn't see the bodies um Mm -hmm. and some people actually reported that like they like went up to the site but only saw Gustafson and he like waved them on or something and so mm. they left because they just thought maybe he got in a bar fight or something and was like chilling by the by the lake. They didn't realize there were other bodies there. Okay. But around 6 a.m., there was a group of boys who were bird watching and they stumbled across the scene um, because they noticed the collapsed tent on the shore. Um, and they actually reported seeing a blonde man walking away from the tent. Um, and so um two bodies were still inside of the tent so Maki and Boisman um which were one of the couples they were still inside of the tent but Gustafson's girlfriend um her body was laying on top of the tent and she seemed to have the most severe injuries so when the boys came upon her body she was still like laying next to Gustafson so I do think that's interesting but she was um, basically undressed from the waist down and she had stab wounds that had been inflicted after she died. So uh. it's interesting that her death was more severe. Um, all four of the teens had defensive wounds, just, uh, suggesting that they were awake during the attacks. 
And yeah. um, I don't know what happened to the bird watching boys. It seems like they kind of stumbled upon the scene and got scared and left. Um, okay. But at 11 a.m., a carpenter was going for a hike near the lake and um, Risto Siren alerted the police that he had found the bodies. And okay. I do want to say there is a lot of um, kind of bad mouthing the way the investigators handled the crime scene because they did not cordon off the crime scene at all. So onlookers were able to walk on the crime scene. They pretty much oh my gosh. a lot of ev- potential evidence that could have been there. Um, but what they did find was that the killer attacked the teens blindly from outside of the tent. So instead of going into the tent, they were like banging and stabbing from the outside of the through tent. the tent. Yeah. So the people, I mean, they couldn't even see what was coming at them. Oh my gosh, that would be so scary. When you figure between four and six a.m., I mean, they're probably asleep. I know they mentioned. I don't know yeah. about the girls, but the boys at least were the, according to Gustafson's kind of detailing, he. And um, the other boy had stayed up drinking, but he said they went to bed mm-hmm. around two. So my assumption is they had no idea what was coming when they were in this tent, you know? Yeah. Um, and they said that a knife was clearly used, but that there was evidence of another blunt object that had been used. So, cause they had some wounds that were like bludgeoning, not just stabbing. Yeah. Um, but that neither weapon was found at the scene. Um. They believe that uh, Niles Gustafson's injuries were consistent with him getting into a fight or a three to six foot fall. Um, And something interesting with him is that he didn't remember the attack at all, which he has a lot of head trauma from (laughs) the attack. It makes sense. Yeah. But also he. um, Yeah. So he didn't remember it at all. And it's really sad at the hospital. He had been told that his friends died, but he didn't know for a really long time, like the details of like what actually had happened to his friends, according to uh-huh. his, which is really sad. Yeah. Um, but there were also just, they cl- called it weird items missing from the crime scene. So the keys to the motorcycles were all missing, but the bikes were still at the campsite. Huh. Um, which is kind of weird. You would think if the killer maybe was trying yeah. to like, get away, he would have taken them with him. Yeah. With him. Yeah. Um, and Gustafson's shoes were missing, but they were found about a half mile from the crime scene. And I guess some parts of his clothing were there, like torn off with the shoes. So mm-hmm. that is interesting that it was removed. Um, yeah. And like I mentioned, a lot of people were not thrilled about the way the police handled the crime scene. So they failed to take official recordings of their findings. And like I said, did not quote it off the area. So you know, onlookers and just people hiking were able to walk through the campsite. Um, And since it was not preserved, the police enlisted the help of the military to find missing items. But because it was, you know, trampled and everything, like there weren't a lot of things they could find and actually tie to the murders, which is sad. Um, So I'm not sure when this happened, but at one point, Niles Gustafson, so the sole survivor, he underwent hypnotherapy. Um, And in my opinion, I think hypnotherapy is really interesting. I also think it could be kind of a bogus science, depending on who the person is or who's doing the hypnotizing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And I think there's a lot of, I wouldn't say speculation with what he says, but um, I think a lot of people do wonder if he was, because he was in this vulnerable, suggestible state, he was open to more suggestive things than maybe he, yeah. you know, would know or have recovered with someone else is kind of the idea. Okay. Um, but according to his hypnotherapy session, he heard the girl screaming and then he saw the outside of the tent being ripped open with a knife. He said he saw a man enter the tent with a knife and what looked like a lead pipe. Um, oh. And he said that the man had flowy blonde hair and big eyes and they were apparently able to make a sketch, which I will post on the Instagram. Um, but they were reportedly able to make a sketch um, based on his description. Um, okay. And later on, I mean, way down the road, obviously this took place in 1960, they did collect DNA um, from the evidence and they found that there was five people's DNA at the scene. Um, obviously four uh, people were the victims, but there is one unidentified piece of DNA that was on a pillowcase. So a lot of people oh. that the unidentified DNA is probably the killer. Um, yeah, you would think so. Yeah. Um, and something else they found interestingly is that um, Gustafson was the only victims whose blood was not on his own shoes that ended up being taken away from the crime scene. So I do find that interesting that hmm. like his shoes that he was wearing when he was getting attacked did not have his blood on them. Yeah, that seems That's strange. The other victims' bloods. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get into some suspects. There's Okay, I was going to say, there definitely sounds like there could be some interesting things based on what you're saying. Yeah, so I'm going to start with the most obvious one that I was just hinting at, which is a lot of people believe that the sole survivor, yeah. Niles Gustafson, is the killer. Um, And actually, you know, the investigators claimed he was a suspect from the beginning, but it wasn't until March of 2004 that he was arrested and brought to trial. So 44 years after the killing. Oh my gosh. But he was actually arrested. He was arrested and brought to trial. Um, the, pol the police were like, he was our prime suspect all along. Huh. Is the guy to do that did it. We have evidence. Um, but like I said, their main piece of evidence were his shoes. The fact that they believe they were worn during the killings and that because they didn't have his blood on them, he had to be the murderer because his blood mm -hmm. was on the shoes, which could be plausible. I think it's interesting mm -hmm. if the other victim's shoe, uh, blood was on the shoes. But something yeah. to me that I also was thinking about is like, when I'm camping, I don't wear shoes. My shoes don't go in the tent. Like it's I was going to say. That's. Yeah. Um, yeah, we never, we always put the shoes outside the tent. Yeah, that we don't wear them inside. And if he was attacked while sleeping, he wouldn't be wearing the shoes. And I don't yeah. know, maybe they did bring the, the shoes inside, you know, who knows. But in my experience, shoes don't go in the tent or I don't wear them when I'm sleeping. So <laughs> seems a little. So when he was like found, like he was wearing the shoes. So, but he doesn't remember like putting on the shoes or. No, he wasn't wearing his shoes were half a mile away. Oh, half a mile 
So they know that the killer tried to cover up evidence by placing the shoes somewhere else. Okay. But they don't, yeah, it's like a weird, and that goes into it too, because they're like, well, he could have easily gone like a half mile, dumped the shoes, hoped no one would find them, and then like, yeah. crime scene. Um, But the the prosecution like really painted a fairy tale. Like they were like, yeah. Um, he got in a fight with Seppo Ghost uh, Boysman and it led to the triple homicide because they had gotten drunk and he was kicked out of the tent for being loud and that Boysman decided to try and talk to him, but he was like angry and they got in a fight, but Boysman won the flight, which is why he has a broken jaw. Um, but then he was like, Gustafson was angry so out of a blind rage in revenge he decided to kill his friend and the two girls hmm. which okay I mean yeah. I mean stranger things have happened I'm not saying it didn't I'm just saying it is yeah. interesting that that's the theory well and did they make up that whole fight or were they told that things happened that way so they made up the fight because, or I don't know if they like made it up, but they definitely were like, well, his injuries were consistent with the fight. So obviously yeah. he was in a fight, but he could have been fighting the killer. Like we don't yeah. know. Um, and like I said, like he really doesn't have any memory of, of the killings aside from when he did the hypnotherapy. So a lot yeah. of people said, um, you know, his story has changed over the years, that type of thing. So it's really hard to know. And it's hard when you're a victim of trauma because we know the neurobiology of trauma. It affects memory very seriously. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure where I feel on Gustafson. Um, but something else they said was that he had, quote unquote, superficial wounds yeah. that inflicted on himself and then hit his shoes to stage the crime scene. Um. And they, yeah, I did wonder about the wounds because, like, they said that some of it looked like it could have been a fall from like a sh very short distance, right? So he could have just like jumped off a big rock or like right, right, yeah, yeah. But I mean, facial fractures. I mean, I feel like if I was gonna, yeah, that would be hard to do to yourself. I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't go for my face. I'd probably go for arms and legs. You know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I don't know what you would hit yourself with to like fracture your jaw, but um. But maybe he was wanting to do some kind of head wounds to um, to justify the fact that he doesn't remember things. Yeah. And that that could be very fair and valid. Yeah. But I know. I mean, yeah, that would be really hard to. I don't know. And I, I mean, but people, people do crazy shit. So I don't know. I won't put it past. But that's um, I couldn't do that. I don't know. I have I have I have really mixed feelings about him as a suspect because um, I think it would make sense but on the other hand I'm like I don't love all of it um when it just doesn't sound like they have any real clear evidence so yeah and I feel like they didn't do a good job preserving the crime scene or yeah. gathering other evidence that could have proven this which is hard yeah. um but they believed that the bird watchers who saw the man leaving the scene resembled resembled Gustafson and that's how it backed up their claims but again witness memory is faulty sometimes like sometimes people yeah. don't have things right and that's just how trauma goes like um yeah. so it's tough but the defense claimed that he had sustained the injuries from a fight 
or that if he had sustained the injuries, like if he had gotten the broken jaw and the facial fractures and everything from this fight with Boisman, he probably would have been too injured to kill his friends. And they were like, why yeah. would he walk a half a mile to hide his shoes? With those well, I mean, he probably would have needed to seek treatment. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It just, to me, again, I'm not, I'm not a medical expert. It just, this injury seemed really severe for someone to inflict on yeah. themselves or yeah. be able to stage a crime scene while dealing with these injuries. <laughs> um, But pretty much um, the last thing I kind of mentioned earlier was that his story had changed over the years. So he would talk about stab wounds to the head, which never happened. Okay. Um, he swore at one point that he got dragged out of the tent toward the lake, dropped in the water, and then dragged back to the tent. But there's absolutely no evidence of this. There, like he was not wet. There was no water on the tent. Nothing like that. Okay. Um, and like I said before, the hypnotherapy thing you know, he, he claimed he didn't remember anything until then. So yeah. maybe his story is changing, but again, it's at this point, it's been 44 years. I'm yeah. not saying that, you know, he did or didn't do it. I'm just saying memory isn't always the most trustworthy after a few years. Yeah. Um, even my memory is not trustworthy after a week sometimes. So well, I mean, we definitely have talked about where, you know, we'll experience something with a, you know, other family members or friends or things like that. And then, you know, years later when we're, we're recounting it, we all remember it differently. And, you know, sometimes you and I will remember things the same because, you know, we've talked about it over the years or, you know, we've like solidified those memories by, you know, talking or sharing photos or whatever, you know, and then when we get with somebody else, they have a totally different, we're like, that's not accurate. But it's like, well, how do we know our recollection is accurate? Because it might've just been reinforced by telling the story, you know? Yeah. So yeah, memory is definitely weird. Yeah. The brain, the brain in general is just a wild, a wild thing that human beings have. Um, But yeah, so there were a couple other suspects other than Gustafson. So the first one was Carl Valdemar Yilstrom, and he was the local kiosk man. Um, I'm not sure if it was like a photo hut type of deal, but I do know when I was in Finland, there were like little convenience stores that were called kioskis. So I think it's probably like that. It's kind of like a 7-Eleven. I could be wrong if you're from okay. Finland. No. <laughs> but apparently this kiosk was frequented by campers and he was known as being a bit like hostile and aggressive towards these campers. Oh, really? Um, and witnesses apparently later claimed he had been known to like cut down tents or to throw rocks at hikers. Like huh. he had an issue with outdoorsy people. Um, some believed that the boys, the bird watchers, uh, saw him leaving the murder scene, um, but that they were too afraid to report it to authorities that it was him um, because they were scared of him. Mm. Uh, he also drunkenly and completely sober confessed to the killings. Oh, uh, really? Huh. When he confessed, it showed that he had knowledge of the killings, but the police kind of never took it seriously. And I don't know, like there wasn't a lot of reports as to why, like maybe it was, you know, he, um, you know, he 
just said stuff that was in the papers or that was common knowledge or maybe, you know, whatever, but the police didn't really take him seriously as a suspect. Um, and then something interesting is that nine years after the murders, he drowned in the lake by suicide, most likely. Hmm. And, um, something I will say is that the police took a photo of him shirtless, like the day after the murder, um, because they thought he could be a suspect and he had no scratches or like wounds on him. And they believed with the way that the victims were fighting, the killer probably would have had wounds. Um, hmm. but again, I don't like if he was wearing clothes and layers and stuff, maybe not. I don't know. Um, well, and like if they're, you know, fighting him, but they're inside of a tent, like they wouldn't scratch him or anything because they're got the tent between them and he's got clothes on. So I wouldn't think there would be like scratches or anything, but yeah, I don't know about like maybe bruising or something like that. It's hard to know. Right. And so the other thing too about his death is that apparently he got lunch with a friend the same day. And he said something about having committed the murders. And the friend said, if you committed those murders, you might as well like kill yourself by like drown yourself in the lake because once you go to jail, you're going to have a hard life. Like was basically what the guy told him. And I guess within like a couple hours, he, his body was found in the lake. So huh. it's interesting, very circumstantial. Who knows? Um, especially if it was a suicide, we don't, we don't really know. Um, but it is sad. Um, and they actually wanted to do DNA testing on him. Um, but his son refuses to submit DNA for testing. So I do think that's interesting that mm -hmm. maybe the son's protecting him. Maybe the son's just like, it's not my dad, like move on. I don't really know. Um, but either way, that's really <laughs> interesting to me that he's like, I don't want to give DNA. Um, so yeah, that is our second suspect. What do you think about him? I mean, like, I don't know. I like if he has a history of being kind of a dick and like aggressive and whatever. I mean, I guess I like him better than I like the other guy, but um, I don't know. It's hard to know though. Cause again, there's no like real clear evidence and yeah, if they would have expected him to have defensive wounds and he didn't, I don't know, but yeah, I just feel like through the tent and through the clothes, I don't know what would have shown up. And I don't know if you're flailing about in a tent and you can't see where the attack is coming from, it would be hard to really fight it off in a way that, I don't know, and, and you're like laying down, you know, I don't know, it might be hard to fight it off in a way that would cause a lot of harm to the other person. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I really don't know. But I mean, if he's like going around admitting it, like you know, but I know we have talked about other people that have admitted to crimes that they clearly didn't do. So right. people do that. I don't know why people do that, but people do. So I don't know, but it would be interesting if he was admitting it and then the friend said that to him and then he ended up dead. Like that, that does sound like maybe he was dealing with a little guilt or worry about repercussions or whatever, but yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I feel like this case is really hard to tell. Even reading it, I was like, I just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but our last suspect is Hans Osman. And he is a person. He was from Germany, but emigrated to Finland. Um, he was rumored to be a KGB spy. Um, and he lived near the lake with his wife. 
Um, I don't really know why he was rumored to be a KGB spy. There was no like evidence of like why people thought that aside from him being a recluse. Um, and apparently they were able to potentially tie him to other mur murders in Finland that maybe resembled the Lake Boda murders. And that is why, but he was never convicted or charged of a crime of a murder. Um, okay. But I guess the day after the attack, he went into Helsinki Surgical Hospital and his fingernails were caked with black dirt and he had red stains all over his clothes. Oh. Um, the staff reported that he was nervous and aggressive. Um, but the police questioned him and he seemed to have a really solid alibi. Apparently okay. he was having an affair and he was at his mistress's house and she corroborated as well as the mistress's brother who lived with her was able to corroborate that he was at the house uh, during the time of the killings. So what was his explanation for the, and why was he at the hospital? He just Did he have an explanation for what was under his nails or what was on his clothes? They didn't really give an explanation for it. He just was like, he was like aggressive and really nervous and was like, I don't want to, I don't want to tell you. I don't have to tell you. Like, don't worry about it. Like, it, it's just blood. Like, it's fine, you know. But, but you would think if he's going to the hospital, he would change his clothes first, but. You would think. And the interesting thing is that many hospital staff believed it was blood, but mm. the clothes were never analyzed. Wow. Um, and he apparently did match the description of the blonde man that was seen fleeing this, the scene. And shortly after, like, the details about, like, the long flowing hair and stuff were printed in the newspaper, he cut his hair really short. Mm. Uh, so, it's interesting, you know, you get a haircut right after a murder yeah. with a similar... But you've been to Finland. Do most people have blonde hair? Is that a popular... Um... A lot of Finns do. I feel like I was gonna say. I feel like it, there's a lot of blonde-haired Finns, but there's also a lot of brunettes. I okay. I'm a good mix of both. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say I feel like everybody I know who is from Finland um, had blonde hair. So to me, that might not be that big of a detail if you're in a population where there's a lot of blonde-haired people. Yeah, and I mean, I guess he's German, so part of me is like, is he like? just an outsider and they're like you're you're whatever da 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 because you're like quiet yeah. I'm out to sauna or whatever you know <laughs> who knows um but yeah I do think it's interesting if he did cut his hair shortly after the murders I think yeah, that's, him that's showing up in the hospital is weird um with like no explanation if he was yeah like if he was with his mistress why was he covered in dirt and blood yeah and why was he going to the hospital? Like, what was his injury? So that would be interesting to know. Like, yeah. was it, like he had defensive um, or wounds that were from them being, you know, um, defending themselves. And, you know, he was wounded and being treated for that. That would be interesting to know. Yeah. Well, and something, too, is that he was tied to the murder of a 17-year-old Finnish girl named Kaliki Sadi. Mm. Um, and her body was found in a bog after she went missing when she was riding her bike. And his car was identical to the car seen at the crime, but he was never committed of the murder. He was never arrested. There was never enough evidence. 
but what's interesting to me is that this is like a teenage girl and there were teenage girls in the tent and if he lived nearby maybe he saw the girl like maybe their thinking is like he saw the girls he went after them didn't realize they had boyfriends he had to kill all of them is like I think what they were kind of going for with that yeah. um <laughs> but again he was never convicted of the other murder so it's really hard to know yeah. um but uh they were able to remove uh, some DNA from an old pair of glasses of his and there was no match to the fifth DNA that was found at the scene so that being said those are our three theories um, okay. do you have any thoughts as to which suspect you're liking for it hmm. I mean I kind of feel like the last two more than the first guy maybe mm-hmm. um because yeah if the one guy had aggressive behavior and then was admitting to it and then you know this guy I don't know that seems like very sketch if he showed up at the hospital like with maybe blood splat- <laughs> splattered clothing or something right. um that's very suspicious so I don't know those two seem a little more likely to me mm-hmm. only because it sounds like what the other the first guy like Sounds like they were just making up stories that could have happened, but there was no evidence that it happened that way. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I mean, I don't know, like the superficial wounds. I know that people that are trying to act like they were a victim too will do superficial wounds, but um the the broken jaw and like, like I don't know. I mean fractures on your face, that does seem like pretty extreme. So Yeah. 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 So I don't know, but all three of them are interesting, but I think I, the later, the uh, latter two, I think are the ones that I would be more suspicious of, I think. Yeah. I think a lot of people have kind of, and I mean, maybe it's because Gustafson got acquitted, but I think a lot of people don't believe he was the killer. I think a lot of people do believe it was one of these other two guys. I kind of like the last guy personally. Um, Yeah. I mean, that does sound very suspicious. I just wish we knew more of those details. Like, what was he being treated for? And then, yeah, what, you know, he has, I don't know, what, like, whatever he said the the red was or what was under his nails. I mean, it would be interesting to know mm-hmm. what he would say those things were. Well, and also to me, like, if he has a mistress, like, I don't know. I feel like it's so often that the wife or the girlfriend or the whatever lies for their partner. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the girlfriend and the brothers, you know, corroborating the alibi, sure, but like they could have been scared of him. They could have, there could have been reasons yeah. for the alibi, you know? So to me, I feel like an alibi where it's a mistress is different than an alibi where you're in a bar with 50 people and there's video footage. And I know these yeah. they're not going to have video footage, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, girl, I watched a snap on the plane and there was literally, you know, a, woman who clearly killed her husband and uh, her son and his wife helped hide the body and all the things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so people do vouch for their, their loved ones. They do. Absolutely. I mean, I could name a number of like forensic files or snapped cases where that happened, you yeah. know? Um, so to me, that's why I like him more. Cause I'm like, his alibi isn't yeah to me, isn't as convincing as another alibi might be. Yeah. Um, but um, as I mentioned, this is Finland's largest, bleh, Finland's longest unsolved murder. Um, 
and no further suspects have been named. Um, no further evidence has been found. And because this was 64 years ago, most likely no one will ever really be named. A lot of the folks are dying. A lot of the investigators are, you know, kind of accepting it's going to stay cold. So yeah, that's kind of where it's ended up. Um, okay. But I thought it was an interesting case. There's a band, and I don't remember the name of the band, but they use the name of the lake in it um, as a nod to this, which I think is morbid, but interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, I wonder about this DNA evidence that's on the pillowcase, though, because I'm not trying to like whatever, but like multiple people can sleep on a pillowcase. Yeah. That's like the only thing to me is like the DNA was found on a pillowcase. Like it wasn't found on a body. It wasn't found. It was on. Yeah. A I don't know. That's that's like the weird piece of evidence for me. But yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I was gonna say with all the the friends that my kids have over lounging around my couches and sleeping on the pillows and whatever. Yeah, <laughs> there's probably a ton of DNA on that stuff. God, it could be like dog drool. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I do think that's interesting that it's a pillow. Cause if it was like on the bodies consistently or something, I'd be like, okay, that's more convincing, but just on it, yeah. not as convincing to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but that's my case. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah, no, I had heard about it. Um, I like saw, I think maybe morbid did an episode about it and then I had like seen mm -hmm. like it came up on like a YouTube documentary recently and I was like that's an interesting case so I was like I'm gonna do that one <laughs> yeah know. yeah I've never heard of it but yeah since you spent so much time in Finland this year it's kind of fun to do a story from there yeah yeah no and y'all are wonderful people um instead of saying cheers I will say kippus to all of you <laughs> and, so and you should mention that you really enjoyed the saunas I loved the sauna. Oh my gosh. I, if we Alana wants to run, Alana wants to live a sauna lifestyle. If I could just have a sauna in my apartment and sit there every day after work and drink a beer, I'd be thrilled. It's um, good for you. It is. They, they know what they're doing over there. I know, but y'all got me with that salt miyaki. I don't know. I think black licorice, salted black licorice shots, not my vibe, but I'm really <laughs> glad that you all really like that. <laughs> yellow vina is better i'll say yellow vina is better <laughs> yeah, i am not a black licorice person salted or unsalted <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so keep those friends from finland it's wonderful that you're listening to us and uh thanks for having me in your country for so long um <laughs> But getting into some housekeeping things, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at what the ale pod. Um, you could DM us any stories or topic suggestions or anything like that there. You could also email those stories to us at what the ale pod at gmail.com. Um, if you go on the Patreon, you can search what the ale pod. Um, and we have a lovely little Patreon page with bonus episodes and we have cute little merch things that we'll give you if you subscribe so please 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 do um and outside of that I think that's all the housekeeping so I just want to say I appreciate you mama I appreciate you baby and we appreciate you friends bye-bye and